The answer is in the grace of God. Man, I don't know about you, but I can't watch that without just being so almost convicted. Like, where is our passion for prayer? Where, where is our emphasis? And, you know, what is it that's keeping us from praying in our lives? We're, that's, that's the thing that we're, we, we have all the how-tos and all of that. Where's our hunger for God to move in our lives that's dr driving us to our knees in prayer? He quoted it over and over in Matthew 21. Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. Not a house of teaching or preaching or music or whatever else, a house of prayer. Prayer is a, is a privilege. We read this last week, Hebrews chapter four, verse 14 says, since then we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Jesus is the reason that we can even come to God in the first place, right? Because Jesus died for us. He, he made a way for us to be reconciled to God. We're now his adopted sons and daughters, co-heirs with Christ. And Jesus has walked in our shoes. He understands our, our weaknesses. So because of all that, we can come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. We don't have to tiptoe. We're not inconveniencing him. We can, we can run to our father, come boldly to him. A lot of times when we mess up and we feel like we're falling short, our tendency is to run and hide and withdraw and maybe run from God. Maybe you're there today. Maybe you're in just your, your life, you're, you're running from him. When all our father wants is for us to run to him because when we do, when we get to that throne of, of, of grace, we get to our father. It says we're gonna find grace and mercy to help us when we need it most. When we don't know what else to do, God's grace has a way of like, like he just said, lifting us, carrying us. You might've experienced this in your own life. When you're at the end of your rope, you go to your father and you, you sense him lift you. Are we praying? And again, like I talked about last week, this is not a guilt trip. It's, it's, it's convicting, right? Because we all could be praying more, but we don't, it's not, it's not condemning. We're not condemning you today. Condemnation and guilt and shame, all that does is push us away from God. We're simply trying to open our eyes to, to what we're missing out on as, as followers of Jesus, as children of God. How much are we praying? We wanna draw you to your Father. Paul says in Philippians 4 that we should pray about everything. You know, there's a reason one of the most repeated commands in the Bible is fear not. I think the most actually, fear not, don't be afraid. Why do you think that is? <laughs> it's because our tendency is to fear, to worry, to be anxious. And Paul tells us here, don't, don't worry about anything. It's that easy, right? Oh, just don't worry. Well, no, he doesn't stop there. Don't worry. Instead, pray. 
That's the answer. Pray about what? Everything, not just the big things, not the life and death situations, not when you're at the end of your rope. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And what's the, what's the result of that? The promise there is if we do that, at that throne of grace, God will give you peace. Peace that doesn't make sense. When you're in the middle of the worst storm of your life, you can have that, that inner peace, just that anchor in your faith in Jesus because you've been to the throne of grace. You can have peace that, that tells you, you know what, I, I'm, it's not in my control, right? I'm, I'm releasing it to him, I'm laying it at his feet and I'm trusting him. My trust is in him. And that, that brings you a, a peace that you can't get anywhere else. It's supernatural. And then that peace, it says, will guard your hearts and minds as you live in him. We've been in Colossians the last time Clayton preached a couple of weeks ago in Colossians, we were talking about marriages. We we're talking about how we can have a flourishing marriage and our flourishing marriage leads to a flourishing family, but you can't have a flourishing marriage if, if Christ isn't the center, if Christ isn't supreme in your marriage and in your family. So we're gonna spend some time today praying for marriages and for, for families. We need to pray if we want a flourishing family. A flourishing family starts with a strong marriage. Mark chapter 10, Jesus said, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Speaking of marriage. So the news today is though, there, there is someone that's trying to separate your marriage, Satan. He's, he knows that if he can break up a marriage, he can do damage to a family. He's like a prowling lion looking for someone to devour. He's trying to rip your family apart all day, every day. So, so what are we doing to combat that? What, are we even doing anything to, to defend against that? Are we, are we even going on the offensive? You can put it this way. If, you're, if your house, your physical house, you knew someone was trying to get in and attack it and carry off all your things and your kids or whatever, you would do something to prevent it, right? You'd probably make sure the doors and windows were locked. You'd, you'd put up security cameras and a security system. You would be watching out for them. What, what are we doing when it comes to our relationships with our spouses, when I, our relationship with our kids? Do we have that same level of just that sense of protection? Like I'm, I'm gonna go to battle because I know that Satan wants to take me out. We've got all the how-tos. We don't need any more books. We need the grace of God in our lives, the power of God that comes through prayer. So my question for you is today, husbands, how much are you praying for your wife? How much are you praying for your relationship with your spouse? How much are you praying for your kids? Because ultimately, you know, that, that spiritual, that responsibility, the spiritual authority, that responsibility for our family, that we're gonna be held accountable before, before God, that falls to us. What are you doing with that responsibility? Wives, how much are you praying for your husband, praying for your relationship with your spouse, praying for your kids? Parents, are we, are we praying for our kids? Or are you just hoping it works out? So we're gonna pray. This is what we do on Wednesday nights at City Nights. If, if you haven't been, I would encourage you to come. We had an awesome service last Wednesday night, 6.30. 
our attendance was way up. People are starting to catch that, that vision for prayer. I'd invite you to come if you haven't been. Try it out. We pray for each other. That's what families do. And this requires something of you. Obviously, it requires that you are, you know, are bold and, and, and transparent and stand for prayer if you need prayer. So that's what we're asking of you today because we believe that God hears our prayers. He's faithful to answer. And we want to pray for you. We want to pray first for marriages. Pray for marriages. So if you're here in, in this room, even if your spouse isn't here, if you are married, we want to ask that you stand so that we can pray for you. We want to pray for marriages. They're under assault. We want to pray that God would strengthen marriages that, like we've talked about, like they would be seeking Jesus first, Jesus in the, in the center of that relationship. We want to pray that they would seek him first and that the, the more they fall in love with Jesus, the more they would fall in love with each other, that they would experience a flourishing marriage, a flourishing family. We want to pray that God would, would move and, and that they would realize what they have in their, in their spouse. It wouldn't be about the grass that's greener on the other side. Like Clayton said, the grass is greener where we water it, that they would have a marriage that they invest in and they seek God in. So um, if you're around them, you can put a hand on their shoulder if you want, or you can just lift your hand towards them. Let's pray for these marriages in the ways that I just described. And then um, I'll give you a minute to do that. And then I'll close this out. We thank you for these marriages that are represented in the room. Thank you that they're here together, that they're seeking you. God, we pray that you would, even in this moment, just stir something within them, that you would strengthen their, their resolve and strengthen their, their marriage, their commitment to each other, that they would, um, I, whether they have a great relationship or maybe they're, they're struggling a little bit, God, I pray that, that you would open their eyes to what their part is in, in and maybe coming back together and strengthening their, their relationship. God, I pray that they would be, be willing to, to do that work that, that marriage takes. We know sometimes it can be difficult. God, we need you. We need your grace and mercy. God, we pray that they would experience, maybe even for the first time, just not, a, not just a marriage that gets by, but a, a flourishing marriage, a flourishing family. God, show them what the next step is for, for them to, to make sure that they're watering that relationship that they're in, investing themselves, loving each other sacrificially the way that you love us, putting their needs first, the other, the other spouse's need first. God, we pray that their priorities would look like Jesus and then each other and then everything else. We ask you to strengthen them, move in their hearts, in your name, amen. You guys can have a seat. Next, we wanna pray for, uh, for parents, uh, parenting. 
difficult, right? It's not easy. And we want to pray for, for parents today, specifically if you have younger kids, like, you know, kids that still live with you. You, you might have kids that are, they're all moved down and have their own families. Uh, you probably need some prayer as well, but we want to pray specifically for parents with kids still in the house. So let's say like 18 and under, um, you still have some influence there, right? You might argue about 12 or 13, you don't quite have as much as you thought you did, right? But we want to pray for you because it's so important. Our, our primary responsibility as parents, listen to me, parents, our, our primary, our greatest responsibility on this earth as parents is to lead our kids towards Jesus to introduce them to Jesus. That's our job as parents. That's not the church's job. That's not Clayton or my job. That's not uh, the, the Amber's job in the kids' ministry. Those are great things. But it's our responsibility to, to point our kids towards Jesus with the way we live and our example and, and our words. So my encouragement to you is, as a parent is to, to let God search your heart today as we pray for you. If you're a parent of an 18-year-old or, or younger at, at the present moment, we want to ask you to stand so we can pray for you. Married, single, it doesn't matter if you're a parent. <clears throat> Let's pray for, for these parents. Some of them might be going through something like, like Jim just talked about, just a, maybe a nightmare. Or maybe they just need God's help. Here's what we want to pray for these guys when it comes to, to parenting, that they would lead their kids towards Jesus, that, that God would give them wisdom in the way that they parent. And this is something I felt led to pray specifically for today, that, that we would approach parenting with humility. Humility, that not, not going into it thinking we've got it all figured out. We have all the answers. It's my way or the highway, right? Sometimes we can be wrong. Sometimes it's okay to admit that we don't have all the answers. And when we approach something like that with humility, we're more likely to lean on God to, to, to pray and to ask for his wisdom. That's what we want. We want these guys to seek God's help. And again, that they would lead their families spiritually, that men would step up, lead their family spiritually, whatever that looks like for you. So if you're around them, if you want to put a hand on them, put a hand towards them, whatever it is, let's pray for those things, for these parents. And then I will close this out. And then Barry has a couple of things that he wants to say. some here that just need you to lift them. They need your strength. God, just in this moment, strengthen them. Lift them up. Wrap your arms around them. God, let them know that they are not in this alone. That you're with them. We know that you love our kids more than we could ever possibly love them. I pray that we'd start by releasing our, our kids to you that we would do everything in our power to lead them, point them towards Jesus, that, that we would be okay, maybe even look for opportunities to, 
to apologize, to, to admit that we don't have the answers, to admit that we made a mistake, that we would seek your, your help, God. God, move in our kids, move in our families. We, we want a flourishing family. Not Again, not just a family that gets by, try not to kill each other. We want a family that's chasing hard after you, that's, that's flourishing, that kids that have a faith that's their own, their own personal relationship with Jesus. We're asking that in Jesus' name, that you would be the center of these families. We thank you for what you're gonna do in your name. Amen. You guys can be seated. As Brandon said, this is something we do at City Nights. We pray for prayer ministry items and we've got a couple of more that we're gonna do. I just wanna say this really quickly to fathers. Being a father and you know, it's funny. I, I thought I was gonna be the greatest parent in the world until I started parenting. Cause I knew all the mistakes my parents made and I thought, well, now I know how to correct those things. And what I realized is I had a lot of stuff I was gonna need to work on and that parenting would pull out. But the one thing I'm gonna ask you fathers to do, fathers, when you make a mistake, go apologize to your child. Let them see that example of godly leadership that you're real, you're vulnerable, you know you're human. So that's for somebody today. This next prayer topic that we're gonna pray about, Jim Cimbala talked about his daughter and his daughter was in a dark place, obviously rebellious from their family. I related really well. I had a 15 year old son, which was 11 years ago, try to commit suicide. And it was a painful time for me. It was a hard, it was hard for me to have hope. I questioned everything about my parenting in that time just did everything he said. I yelled, I cried, I begged, I gave money out. You know, it's like, how do we fix this? And I recognize it's only God and it's only prayer. My son, that's 11 years ago. He's 26. He's doing fairly well in life. He's not following Jesus, but you know, he likes life. He graduated high school. He got through three years of college. He has a business now. So prayer does work. And I remember that week that he tried that. My, the pastor of the church I was at called me and I was leading Wednesday night. It was Monday night back then. It was a prayer gathering. And he said, Barry, it's cool. Don't even show up. And I said, I ask people to come to God when they have problems. So how can I not show up when I'm going through a problem and my family's going through a problem? So I came and I tried to lead that night. But I wanna pray for anybody, you, you've got somebody that you're close to, maybe it's family, maybe you're just really close to them and they're going through a dark season. So I wanna pray for that person that there's breakthrough and we wanna pray for you that you're encouraged to be an encourager to them. So anybody here, somebody in your family's going through a dark time. I'm gonna include somebody else in this. You yourself are going through a dark time and you need some hope. All right, let's gather around these. Pray for that person. Ask them who's going through that time. Pray for them and pray for encouragement for them. And if you're not close to somebody, just extend a hand and please pray and agree with prayer with these others. 
Lord, we pray for each person that's going through the dark season. Lord, I pray that what the enemy is trying to cover them with, you break it, you shatter it. You let light shine through. God, I pray hopelessness is replaced with hope. Fear is replaced with love. God, we pray for a breakthrough and we submit our hearts to Jesus, but we resist the devil in the name of Jesus in each one of these situations. And we say, Jesus, break through. Show your light in these situations. Stop the darkness, God. I just thank you for that. And God, for each of these family members, we pray that there'd be hope for them. Lord, continue to help them encourage, continue to help them pray, even when they don't see circumstances coming around. Lord, we just, we believe in you. We believe in the power of prayer. In your name we pray, amen. Even when you don't see hope, God will give you hope, guys. Pray for that. So a second group of people I wanna pray for. Brandon last week, he said, Hey, if we all ask the question, could we pray more? We'd all say yes. This is not for that group of people. This is not just, hey, I wanna have a better prayer life. Sometimes when we pray for different things or have something that's really on our hearts, there's a general thing like at City Nights, we'll say, hey, everybody dealing with fear, we wanna pray for fear. Everybody dealing with depression, wanna pray for that. But every once in a while, there's something that's really specific and God puts it on our hearts. We're like, we have to pray for this. And this is one of those. And so give me just a second to set it up. In Acts 2, there are two people who spend time in the temple, one named Anna, one named Simeon. And Simeon is, was an older man and he was known a man that was devout and righteous. He was committed to the Lord. It says, you know, in Old Testament times, they didn't have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them, but the Spirit could come upon them. If they were humble and righteous, the Holy Spirit would lead them and guide them. And so it says here in the, in the word that Simeon had heard from the Lord. He said, you will see the Messiah before you die. And there was a day he felt led to go to the temple. God, the Holy Spirit gave him a leading. And he got to meet Mary and the child that was in her womb. He actually was there with the Messiah physically. And then there was a lady that, that the Bible calls her a prophetess who spent time in the temple. She had lost her husband of seven years. So she got married when she was young. It was like between 21 and 23. And she'd been married seven years and she lost her husband. And she's 80 in this text. And it says she committed the rest of her life to worship, fasting, and prayer. And so she just was in the temple committing herself to prayer. You guys know, and we've shared with you that this church was founded on the principle of prayer. We believed in it. We believe that's why God's super is in our natural we believe it's why it's grown even through a season of COVID when other churches have faltered, we're growing. We're committed to prayer. I believe in my heart that this church is gonna blow up. I believe it's gonna get bigger. Our influence is gonna increase. But I know if we're gonna do that, we're gonna need some Simeons and we're gonna need some Annas that are willing to sit in prayer rooms and pray for services. They're gonna be willing to come to city nights 
and commit to pray because they wanna see God influence so many more people and encourage people. You know, one of the things about Anna, obviously she was a widow, but she was an unmarried person and yet committed herself to prayer. I believe one of the groups God is speaking to. And, and I'm saying this, I feel like if this is you, what I'm sharing is kind of stirring in your heart. There's a little bit of a burning there. There's an impression like, man, I think that's me. Some of you are unmarried and God has called you to the place of prayer. He's called you to influence people in the place of, place of prayer. Others of you are younger and you don't even know what prayer is all about. You're just like, I don't know, kind of think I'm supposed to commit myself to that place of prayer and be an influence in people's lives. I'm gonna invite you in a minute to stand. Others are, you just know, man, I'm, I'm that person. Prayer is supposed to be the thing. You know what I love about people who are prayer people, intercessory people, they don't need a spotlight. They don't need to be in front of anybody else. They're a good servant, just interceding and knowing that that is powerful. You know, I've heard two stories in the last couple of weeks of people who got healed because they came up for prayer or somebody on our prayer team prayed for them. That's physical healing and I know emotional healing has happened too. But if that's you, if you just have a stirring in your heart, I know I'm supposed to commit my life to prayer. And that doesn't mean you won't be working or you won't be here or there, but I just know prayer's gotta be part of what I do. I'm gonna ask you to stand. Anybody there just has that burning. I know I'm supposed to be a part of prayer. I don't think that's everybody. Nobody else got stirring your heart. You're wondering if you're supposed to be in the prayer rooms or just to be a person of prayer. Okay. Anybody else? Last shot. <laughs> okay. Hey, stretch your hand toward Kobe. I believe he's representative. I believe God's going to have to bring more prayer people for us if we're going to grow as a church because we're going to need that. But let's pray. God, thank you for the calling of prayer. Thank you for people willing to invest themselves in prayer, God. Count that cost of, they could be doing other things. They could be doing things that fit their lives even more. God, encourage Kobe. I pray that you show him his next steps in prayer and how you wanna use him, God. And I pray for those others that you're calling. Would you bring them forward? In Jesus' name, amen. Last thing, guys. All these are important but this is really important. So I was, I was listening to a YouTube last week by a guy named, I think it's, is it Clayton? It, his last name's Burpo. And when he was three or four years old, he had a near death experience. And his dad wrote a book called, um, Is Heaven Real? And I think there's a movie that was out by him, but they were asking him about what happened in heaven. And he was sharing with them, he said, Hey dad, I met Pop. Pop was his great grandfather. I met Pop in heaven, you know, and you know how parents would be if you're three or four year olds sharing something like that. You're kind of like, well, I got a vivid imagination. That's cute. You know, that's cool. But as they talked more, he just began to describe things about Pop that seemed more real. And so he showed him an older picture of this great grandfather. It's like, no, that's not him. 
And so the father was thinking, he's like, okay, I'm gonna check this out. So he, he found a picture of the great grandfather when he was like 25, 26 and didn't tell the kid what it was about. He said, hey, do you know, know anybody in this picture? He said, oh yeah, that's Pop, 25, 26. So I was encouraged because I thought, man, I can't wait to get back to my 26 year old body, be able to go as hard as I used to. But a second question they asked him, they said, hey, does everybody go to heaven? He said, no. He said, only those people who love Jesus and follow Jesus go to heaven. And I thought how cool that was because it lines up with what the Bible tells us. And the Bible does tell us that there's a real place called hell. It's where the presence of God is not, where there's no peace, there's no joy, there's no love. But the Bible says that God sent his own son, Jesus, to the earth as a man to experience what we experience, to live a totally righteous life without anything wrong, but he would die a sinner's death because we all have sinned and the wages of our sin is death, it's judgment. So that's what God should bring to us because of our sin, judgment. But Jesus came and carried every one of our sins to the cross. And he paid the price for that so that we wouldn't have to be judged. That the wages that was needed for us to have relationship with God was paid for by him. So I would be remiss this morning though, if I didn't tell you, if you don't commit your life to Christ, you will spend eternity in hell. That's what the Bible says, that's what we believe. That's our, our rule, we, we live by that book because we believe it's inspired by God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, that it, it's, it's a God-breathed book. But to commit your life to Christ, what is that? Is it enough to come to church? Does that committing your life to Christ? No, good works won't get you there. So you can come to church, you can be at city nights, you can serve on the greeting team and in the nursery, that will not get you to heaven. You have to fully surrender fully commit your life to Christ. Say, Jesus, it's yours. And so what's surrender? Is surrender knowing in your brain that Jesus is real, that Jesus came, that he died, he was buried, he was resurrected, he was seen by 500 witnesses? No, it's not enough to believe it in your brain. You've got to invest in it. And so here, here's what I mean by that. If there was a chair sitting beside me, I can say, hey, I believe that chair will, will carry my weight but I don't prove that till I sit in the chair and let it bear all my weight. I want you to bow your heads with me just for a minute. Have you ever transferred all your weight to Jesus? Have you surrendered your whole life, everything? Say, Lord, it's not about me anymore. It's about what you want from my life. I wanna follow you. Right now, if, if you haven't done that, you may feel a, a stirring in your heart and that's Jesus saying, come to me. I want you to follow me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. You may be here in the building, you may be online. This is the time, commit your life to Jesus and I'm gonna pray a short prayer and if you are committing your life to Christ, pray this with me. Jesus, I know that I am a sinner 
I know I need someone to pay the price of my sin. I believe Jesus did that when he came and lived on the earth and he died for me and he was raised again. So I wanna commit my life to Jesus. I wanna give him everything I have. I wanna surrender my heart, surrender my dreams, surrender my plans, and I wanna live for him. I wanna spend eternity in heaven and I wanna know him. And I do that right now in Jesus' name, amen. You guys can look up. If you did that, if you committed your life to Christ, man, we encourage you that you would tell. Come up, tell a pastor, tell a prayer team member. We have an app that you can go on and fill out that connect form. Say, I committed my life to Christ. We'll send you some information. We'll contact with you with that. Church, thank you. Thank you for being a praying church. And we wanna seal all that God's doing this morning in a final time of worship. I believe the Holy Spirit's here in a powerful way. So let him continue to minister your hearts and let's give worship and praise to him in this last part. So if you guys will stand with us to worship.